Steps on, going for Fitzgerald, touchdown Arizona. David Johnson off to the races. He will score, touchdown Arizona. And it is Patrick Peterson who comes up with the spectacular interception. Welcome to a disappointed, dejected and disconsolate episode 97 of the British Birdland Breakdown, where, after the heights of the first two weeks, we were brought crashing back down to earth with an almighty fud. Why, you ask? Well, as always, I'm Tom, and I'm joined by Callum to break down ugh, a Cardinals loss. I don't know if I could sound dejected enough, because of all the games to lose, losing to the Lions was... Uh, it really felt like a tough loss, you know? To begin the season, I was thinking, you know, two and one after three games wouldn't be too bad. But I was thinking we'd lose in week one anyway. But, you know, after we lost in the manner that we did against Detroit, it just feels just meh. I'm not sure what the word is to describe it. It, it really stings a bit, actually, because it's it, it's taken the air out of the tyres a little bit. And it's definitely... Um, Definitely added fuel to the the Cardinals or, you know, they just got lucky fire that was going on anyway. And, you know, people people who were saying that the Cardinals weren't legit this year, all of a sudden they've got this, you know, <laughs> big quiver and a big arrow in their quiver. And um, yeah, it's uh, it just feels like such a tough loss to 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 have. It's one of those things as well. If you look up the dictionary under the definition of fraud, you'll see Arizona Cardinals as an example. <laughs> it's, it's really true, though. I mean, it's like every time we we start to look really good, you know, we're getting there, we're getting these wins against great teams, and then we just manage to pull out a loss against a team that, you know, in many ways we really should be beating. We should have beat them, but before we get on to breaking down that result, we've got a bit of news to talk about. And it's kind of pretty big deal news. Yeah, pretty big deal news indeed. And that's the fact that Buda Baker is currently playing with a thumb injury. Apparently he's got a torn UCL in his thumb, which requires surgery. I mean, you say he's currently playing with it, but he's been, uh, I think, definitely ruled out for next week. Yeah, I think he's undergone the surgery by now, by the time we've recorded. Yeah. And the 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 one big thing, the good takeaway is that they haven't put him on the temporary injured reserve, which you would do for somebody who was going to be missing three games. Which means that they they expect he will be back for New York or the next week. But you know, I mean, it's hard to understate how much of a big deal this loss is for defensive personnel. Yeah, I mean, like. Offensive players have had that injury before because Drew Brees suffered it last year. Yep. But I suppose the good thing is that Buda Baker doesn't need his thumbs to fuck up opponents. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but, um, you know, he was playing with a cast on, on Sunday. And I would definitely say that, you know, it might have affected him a little bit because he had a few missed tackles, you know, tackles that he was in the place for that I reckon, you know, he, he would have got if he was 100% healthy. I did notice a couple of times he when he went off after forcing the Lions to punt. Like, I think he landed on it a couple of times really heavily. Yeah. And, like, you could see on the sidelines, it really, like, got to him. 
he could yeah. feel the pain sort of thing well definitely i mean if he had, if he had a torn ligament um it's not going to be good and you know there's only so much that a cast can do especially if you're out there playing such a physical game you're gonna get landed on you're gonna land on it awkwardly you're gonna bump it you know all that stuff and it just you know really can't have been doing him much good and props on him for for trying to play through it but um you know i'm glad he's away to get his surgery and uh, i'm hoping that that kind of you know so, sorts him sooner rather than later yeah, apparently the time frame for recovery for a normal person is apparently three months, but it seems that the plan with Buddha is that he'll have the surgery now, miss the game versus Carolina, and then return to harass Adam Gase the week afterwards with a cast on. There's recovery and there's recovery. And when you read these things about, you know, a normal person recovering after three months, that might be, you know, them getting full dexterity back into the thumb, but um obviously you know as we said he doesn't need his thumb for his job really he just needs it to be not painful he needs it to be not getting any worse and i guess in a way that what the surgery is really doing at the moment is like stabilizing it it's making sure that it's not going to get any worse and that's when you can get a cast on him and you can make sure that he's you know ideally not messing it up any more than it has been and you know you can get him back to maybe not even full playing strength, but at least you can get him on the field because any Buddha Baker is better than no Buddha Baker, in my opinion. And it's not like he makes interceptions anyway. Yeah, exactly. He's not, he's never actually made an interception. He's never caught the ball. So, um, you know, if we can get him back to the point where he's just harassing people and making tackles, um, you know, that'll be huge because, you know, at the moment we're out our leading tackler. And to be fair, we're down a few people in the secondary. Oh, big time, yeah. There were reports on Monday morning that they were looking to bring Tony Jefferson in for a workout. Yeah, I mean, he's not played in a few years, right? No, Tony Jefferson played last year. It's just he had a torn ACL. Ah, that's what it was. And obviously he's been recovering. I think he's actually been rehabilitating in Arizona. Oh, well, that's quite handy for him then if he's acclimatized to the heat and everything. And of course, he was here for like 2013 to 2016 as well. So that helped. Yeah. But yeah, apparently his agent denied the report, says Jefferson feels that he isn't 100% from the torn ACL yet, so obviously that move isn't going to come off. Well, at least not at the moment anyway. Yeah, but so I guess this is this is the guy I was thinking of, because uh, they've, they've invited TJ Ward to the facility. Yeah, we had to invite another TJ apparently for the... They had to fill their TJ quota. <laughs> yeah, we need the, the Cardinals quota of having people with similar names. Yeah, apparently he hasn't played since 2017, though. We are we are starting to reach deep in that secondary because, I mean, we've now got um, Chris Banjo's out injured as well. Yeah, and we ended up on Sunday playing some guy called Curtis Riley. Who I think is fifth string. Still don't know who he is. We're quite deep into into the secondary again and you know it's just it's so funny it's definitely like a cardinal's trouble position and has been for years now is like getting enough guys to come in and play in that position and and, well both at safety and at cornerback if only we had a player that we drafted at number eight overall who's played safety before well no that's the interesting thing um will we get into that in our game preview or will we talk about it now I think we'll get onto that a bit later, maybe, if we remember. Well, tell you what, how about we get all of our negativity out now, talking about the Lions game, and then we can feel positive talking about Simmons in the game preview. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. 
So, of course, the Cardinals fell to their first defeat of the season and now sit on a 2-1 and one record after the Detroit Lions won 26-23. With a last-second field goal. was miserable. Yeah, despite winning every statistic besides turnovers. Yeah. It was a time-expiring field goal, which consigned the Cardinals to taste the first defeat of the season. And what a bitter-tasting defeat it was, really. I mean, not only last-second field goal, but as you said, you know, a game where we had the majority of the de- the offense, we had more stops on defense. But realistically, you know, the, the turnover stat is where, you know, where we lost it. But before that, I think we've got a few positives we can squeeze out of this game. Yeah, I mean, it's not as many as last week, so, you know, don't expect a half-hour breakdown of them all. (laughs) No, not as many positives, but there are definitely some, and I think it's hard to look past um, the game that Andy Isabella had. I know, and especially as chairman of the Andy Isabella fan club. (laughs) Yeah, you've got to put him front and centre, for sure. It's fair to say that the second year had something of a breakout game. Four catches for 47 yards and a pair of touchdowns. From four targets as well, so every time he was called on, he was uh, performing. He also managed to win me a 12 to 1 first touchdown score a bet, so I'm happy with that. That's a good one, actually, Andy Isabella. I mean, I suppose it's like statistically uh, less likely, especially given, you know, we've got uh, we've got Nook on the team as well, but like, you know, um, I think uh, the, the, the two touchdowns that he did score. Um, were fantastic and I think you know actually every time he was involved it was in a really good interest in dynamic play. I mean it definitely silenced a lot of the critics about him saying that he can't actually catch the ball but yeah the fact is he's caught six of seven targets this season so far. Yeah and you know it's like hopefully uh, again you know as as chemistry develops and and as he develops as a route runner we're going to see him being targeted more and more because he's out in the, the the open more and more. He's definitely one of those players you think they should use more of. Even like like even when like Christian Kirk's back to full health. Yeah, I would like to see him in the rotation a lot more and, and obviously, you know, that's part of why he was getting more targets this this week is because, you know, Christian Kirk was um on the field less and all of that stuff. So it's like when you've got somebody who's then proven to be able to catch the ball not only in the open field not only with big throws occasionally you know he also is able to catch them in high pressure red zone situations i can't help but think that he will be more featured and i think it's fair to say he could have had even more catches had kyler murray decided to look his way and that's actually you know i guess that's part of it as well is like as kyler murray gets more and more comfortable he's you know getting further down his um his read chart um which is where andy isabella is likely to be once once uh we get to a stage where you know the pocket can stay open longer we will see more andy isabella catches i think as well we should mention andy isabella he earned his first ever british bird gang player of the game award with 69 percent of the vote yeah and it's a yeah a rare non-kyler murray one I don't think you could take that away from him, you know, uh, scoring two of um, three touchdowns. Yeah, can't can't go wrong. I think it's fair to say as well, Kyler Murray didn't do t- as well in the vote as he usually does after his performance. People are a bit tough on him for that. Yeah, I think, um, well, people, it, it's hard to celebrate a quarterback who threw three interceptions. However much or little it is his fault, and, you know, we can we can talk about that. 
um, in the Kyla Murray section. But yeah, three turnovers is hard to look past. But good on uh, good on Andy Isabella picking up the Bridgeburg Gang Player of the Game award. Another player who had a decent game for the Cardinals on Sunday was DeAndre Hopkins. But I think we're going to be saying that every single week this year, aren't we? It's just spectacular, isn't it? It's like every time he gets the ball, if he's in open field, he makes more of it. If he's not in open field, you know, he's able to get out onto the sidelines exactly as the play is designed. He's always where he needs to be. And, you know, I think um, definitely something that can't be, you know, too uh, understated is the fact that a lot of this comes from the chemistry that he's built up with Kyler Murray so quickly. I think it just helps as well that he's just a fantastic player, just skilled in every single thing you want a wide receiver to be, don't you? Yeah, he's got speed, he's got good hands, he's got you know the vertical verticality that you need. Are we just making up words again? No, verticality is a, a description, at least. I believe you. <laughs> Trust me, it is. He's got he's got the verticality. He's got the ability to get those jump balls. You know, he's winning these 50-50 things. And that's really, you know, um, I think part of what makes him such an exciting player to watch because you know that if the ball's coming in his direction, it's catchable. He's going to get it. But the real excitement comes with what he does next. You know, is, is he able to, like, extend it for two yards? Is he able to extend it for 10? You know, we saw him. Play, taking some like positively running back esque plays um, during the game, you know, able to to turn like a short two yard catch into first down. It is a shame that you didn't manage to find a touchdown though. It is, yeah, but I mean, you can't you can't be expecting him to get a touchdown every game, and especially you know the thing with Hopkins is he is going to be more heavily marked in in the red zone. I don't think it's wrong to expect a touchdown the game from him. He's one of our best options in the receiving game. He absolutely is, but we're also, you know, we've been quite run heavy in the red zone. And, you know, when you've got a target that's open, you you got to go for it, right? Um, and I think that, you know, you're more likely to get somebody who's kind of almost open by, by surprise, like Andy Isabella, than you are to have... Hopkins be completely unmarked like that's that's a messing up of the the defense but you know if you've got a good run going in if you've got um Andy Isabella who happens to get free then you go with that right we have a bunch more cards marked the supply statistics regarding DeAndre Hopkins he now has the most catches in Cardinals franchise history through the first three games of the season I mean that's pretty wild really isn't it like, we've had some pretty damn good wide receivers over the years. But they're not just, like, fed as much as Hopkins has been so far. That's the thing, isn't it? It's it's really a, the case of, like, you know, he's just the go-to guy. That being said, you know, it's not like he's our only wide receiver. And I guess that also helps because it means that the, the secondary, the defensive secondary, has to be paying more attention around the place. But still, you know, it's it's just... It's such a consistent um, pairing, isn't it? And dating back to 2013, only Julio Jones and Antonio Brown have more 100-plus yard games than DeAndre Hopkins' 32. That's, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty good company to be in, isn't it? And he already has two of them in Arizona after just three games. That's crazy, actually. Because it's not as though he's, you know... An, an especially young guy. It's not as though he's like, you know, an early, you know, so this, this uh, 32 games extends quite a lot. 
um, you know, through through a few years, and to think, you know, two of them are already here. Two out of three games, he's got a hundred plus yards. Well, I mean, back in Houston, he was he was pretty much the only option they had in the passing game. Yeah, but they also, you know, they they had their own struggles to deal with in Houston, I guess. Notably, having Bill O'Brien as GM, and also having a terrible offensive line for much of the time that he was there. But as you alluded to earlier, we have a new section for this week's episode. It's called the Kyler Murray section. Yep. So we've got got a selection of positives and negatives just about Kyler Murray. Previous weeks, if we'd had this section, I suspect it would be all positives. But actually, this week we have, well, I think it's an even number of positives and negatives to try and keep it relatively even-handed. But we do have actual negatives to uh, to talk about. Yeah, we've got to be impartial on this podcast. We can't be like seen to be favouring Kyler Murray as the greatest thing since sliced bread. Even though he is. <laughs> I mean, God forbid a, a Cardinals fan podcast is positive about Kyler Murray. But then again, you know, this week the uh, the general consensus of Cardinals fans was a little bit more negative than it usually is, for sure. We'll kick off with a positive, though, and that is the fact that he made Jeff Okuda look really silly on his latest highlight reel touchdown run. Yep, he, he really did, though. The question is, though, does Corey Peters have better hip movement than <laughs> Kyler Murray? <laughs> it's... I, it's one of those things, I guess, that just, you know, because these runs often are not designed runs, it's just like you have to adapt so hard on the fly. And, you know, I, I think especially you see you see a bit of the baseball player come out of Kyler Murray in those moments. It's definitely a highlight reel play waiting to happen anytime he touches the ball, though, as we've said, like last week and the week before. I think we say it every week, though. Oh, yeah. But it's it's just fantastic to see, isn't it? You know, it's it's like... I love every time he makes a touchdown run, you know, whether he gets it or not. Um, just the fact that, you know, he's he's got the ball in his hands. And if that's any other quarterback, I would say in the league right now, may, barring maybe Lamar Jackson, if that's any other quarterback, that play is dead. It is gone. You know, the fake didn't work and, and the quarterback's left out there and they're probably even going to take a hit for their troubles. But, you know, Kyler's just out there extending that play, you know, taking it right to the sideline. And he just, yeah, makes it look easy in the end. You know, it's uh, it's spectacular to see. But of course, the big negative towards Kyler Murray this week is the fact that he threw three interceptions in the game, all three of which seemed really bad ones to throw, and mainly all on him. Yeah, I I think arguably the first interception was was maybe tipped a little bit by Dan Arnold not quite catching it. Admittedly, it was probably thrown a bit too high. I think the first one, he had a bit of... I think they managed to get some pass rush right in his face. So obviously before he was able to get the ball off as much as he'd want. Yeah, I saw there was maybe a little bit of arm contact and stuff there, but I would say that that's the least offensive of the three. The, the other two, however, uh, it's hard to say that they are not on him. I mean, the one where he stared down Kyler... Well, he didn't stare down Kyler Murray, because how can he stare down himself? <laughs> no, he, he stared him down He stared down himself later in the mirror, thinking about it. Larry Fitzgerald, that's the one. Yes. And, you know, the, the, the Fitz one was an undercut route, wasn't it? It was like an undercut route, sorry. The, basically, the ball was... was like truly intercepted by that meaning of the word and um yeah i mean he should have been able to read that that's part of his job but yeah three interceptions is really like 
any one of those in a game and you'd be like, oh, that was a tough one. You know, that was, oh, that could have been bad. But anytime you turn the ball over three times, I'd be shocked if there was, like, it's one of those statistics. It's a Falcons-esque statistic of if a team has turned the ball over three times, they probably lose 95 to 98% of the time. I think Cliff Kingsbury came out with a stat that it's like 5% of the time. Yeah. So sounds about right. Absolutely. Where, where we got that stat from, I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's somewhere in that region of being, you know, once you've, if you've got a, a, a turnover integer of plus three, then you're not winning that game most of the time. You know, it's like, it really comes down to show, you know, obviously the game was close, but any one of those interceptions doesn't happen, the game is much less, you know, the game is probably swung in Cardinals' favour. Yeah, and I saw a quote from, I think it was Matt Stafford in the day after, saying that we should, they should have put up 40 points on us. I did see that same quote, yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, though, without those interceptions by Kylo, we'd be the one putting up 40 points on them. Yeah, quite easily. I mean, I think, did all three interceptions lead to a scoring drive? I think there were two two touchdowns and a field goal from the interceptions, it was, right? It was 14 points off turnovers, so he managed to stop one of them. You know, it goes to show, you know, if that swings the other way, that, like, even if we didn't score on those drives, if we didn't give them the ball at that time, you know, it becomes a very different game very quickly. And I think what um, Matt Stafford was alluding to was kind of the game plan that they had. You know, they had... Um, times when they were trying to run out the clock and control it a little bit better and they had times when they were trying um, specific things against the defense when they were in control but I think him saying that they could have put up 40 points was a bit of a bravado Um, but equally you know it really comes down to we don't throw those in we don't lose the game if we do it for the interceptions, we put fifty on them. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we even if we scored off of one of those and they didn't get the fourteen, you know, that's such a convincing win. You know, if we were if we were winning thirty points to twelve, then you know everyone would be like, well, that's you know the Cardinals are definitely legit. You know, still, you know, we've got more positives to talk about with Kyler. It's not all negative. Yeah, we'll move on to our second positive about Kyler's game, and he continues to break records. Only he and a Bills quarterback from the 1960s have at least one rushing and one passing touchdown in the first three games of a season. That's quite spectacular to me. Like, that seems like uh, something that would have happened, you know. Uh, even even last year, that seems like that should have happened with Lamar Jackson, right? Yeah, exactly. Or Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, you know, they're pretty... You know, Russell Wilson's been in the league for however long and he's always rushing for things, you know. In the same vein as well, Jim Hart managed to do that in four games for the longest streak in franchise history. Ooh. So there's a chance that Kyler could tie that on Sunday if he manages it versus Carolina. Yeah, that's true. And then surpass it a week after when they play the Jets because everyone scores on the Jets. Oh yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if half of our offense got a touchdown, but there you go. It's a cool record to have. I think, you know, I think he would rather be getting records with wins, but, um, you know, it goes to show that we've got a quarterback who is doing something that is different. It's like, you know, it's not just a Mahomes. It's not just a, a Lamar Jackson. You know, there's something something even more different. And it's probably down to the play design as well. One more negative on Kyler Murray was the fact that he decided to favor Keyshawn Johnson 
whilst ignoring Larry Fitzgerald. The question is, is how much, you know, decision does Kyler Murray really get in that? You know, he I, he gets the decision of who to throw it to. And there were definitely times that um, Fitz was open and didn't get, you know, didn't get the ball. But, you know, realistically throwing uh, Fitz, did he throw it to Fitz once or like a catchable ball to him once? I think Fitz had three targets in the game and he caught one for zero yards. I mean, one of them was, yeah, was was a complete non-ball, if you ask me. Um, I'm struggling to think when the other one is, but yeah. I mean, at least Fitz keeps his streak alive. That's the important part. Zero yards, though. Yeah, I know. Whereas Keyshawn Johnson had seven targets and he managed two catches. Admittedly, at least one of them was a really good catch from what I remember. Yeah, but you still shouldn't be targeting him seven times. I mean, I'd rather throw Hopkins, like, two or three more balls in that case. Again, that's, you know, that's a time when if you're, you know, if you ask me, that's when, you know, if you're Clef Kingsbury, you maybe rotate him out a little bit, put him in some like lower value uh, routes and stuff like that. But um, I guess, you know, when it comes down to the the Lions defensive line was, was causing pockets to collapse, you know, it was allowing Kyler Murray less time to make decisions. So uh, he might have just been, you know, trying to trying to make these reads and as i said i don't know how much how much uh, autonomy he really has on that kind of decision i think like if he sees a guy open he should just throw into him anyway you don't really care who it is at that point you don't see that it's Keyshawn johnson and think oh he's already dropped it like three times you see a red shirt in open space and you go right it's going there or maybe he just sees like a one on the shirt and then he's like that must be larry fitzgerald <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's like he turns a bit more, and it's like a six. I think he's sixteen. Isn't yeah, he? they're all yeah. they're all in the same group now. So yeah, and it's like, oh shit, that's Keyshawn Johnson. I shouldn't have thrown it to him. <laughs> well, the ball's already on the turf by that point, or in the hands of a defender. Yeah, exactly. A final positive I've got down is the fact that he's still not injured. Yeah, which is quite spectacular. That's not actually the positive, though. I'd say it's a positive. You know, any time that you've got a quarterback who's rushing that much. You know, um, there's always the danger. Like every time he keeps the ball, there is the danger that somebody tackles him really hard. He's been smart about it. He's got to the ground early enough all the time. But it's like, and I think as well, there's a certain amount of defenders who are unwilling to hit him, shall we say, because um, they know it's so easy for him to like start taking a slide and they get done for, for roughing the quarterback, you know. And give up a 15-yard penalty. Yeah, exactly. No, the actual positive I was going for on this one was the fact he now has as many rushing touchdowns through three games as he had his entire rookie season. I mean, that's pretty spectacular, isn't it? That's like, because we're what? This would be nearly a quarter of the way through the season, so it's like <laughs> it's four at, four times as fast. Don't be wishing the season away already. Hey, it's, it's, it's scary how fast it goes. Also, I'm wishing the season away for fantasy purposes, and that's it. Let's just uh, get that out of the way. We'll get on to fantasy after. We've got more negatives to talk about. Another Kyler negative. Yeah, one more Kyler negative, and I've got down that he tries to make too much happen too quickly. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you on that one, actually. He's always looking for the Hollywood pass as opposed to kissing his receivers. And by kiss, do you mean keep it simple, stupid? That's exactly what I mean. <laughs> Although if he wants to kiss his receivers, you know, that's his prerogative. We're not here to judge. No, 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 no. 
but yeah, I think I, I I would agree with you there. I think that's you know one of the issues, and that that leads to situations like we're talking about with him, you know, going for Keyshawn Johnson and and missing fits open in the in like the close field, and you know that's what it costs us first and second downs. Shall we say that you know it's like him if we're all and that's partially play design from Cliff Kingsbury. You know, if we're always looking for a nice big chunk play in first down, and then Kyler is looking to see his upfield receivers at second down having to throw it away before he sees um, you know, somebody open on a cross route, then that's what's gonna you know, it's one of the things that that loses us downs and all of a sudden it becomes an emergency in third down that you've got to convert. Yeah, and I think it doesn't help as well some of the throws to Keyshawn Johnson. He was like heading into double coverage. It's like you're not you don't want to throw to him in double coverage. If it's Hopkins, then yeah, sure. But Keyshawn Johnson is not DeAndre Hopkins. He's not even Keyshawn Johnson. Yeah, I would also say that if um, Keyshawn Johnson's in double coverage, it probably means that somebody else is open somewhere else, you know? Yeah, I saw someone post a tweet to me on Twitter before, like showing the breakdown of that last, I think it was the third down one when he threw to Johnson. Yeah. The fact was, it was like Larry Fitzgerald was open underneath. DeAndre Hopkins, I think, was open-ish. But then Andy Isabella was like streaking wide open in the middle of the field. Should have just chucked it to him. But I mean, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback. Oh, big time. I mean, um, you know, when you're actually behind the uh, line of scrimmage like that, it is a busy, busy place with a lot going on really fast. So, I yeah, I would agree with you. I think it would be nice to see to see the offense, you know, if they're in a situation like that where they are behind and they are needing to make up yards and they're needing to make up you know not just that but we also a few times could have been doing with chewing clock you know when we were ahead we could have been doing with um let's just have a nice cadence drive down the field um that burns up time but i guess that's just not the style of the offense really but you know it would be good to see um nice safe passes being completed more often and then when the Hollywood pass does come it's more spectacular and less expected I mean I know we can pull off the Hollywood passes but it doesn't have to do it every single time we've seen it multiple times per game you know we've seen spectacular passes all the time and when it does come off it's always very good but as I said you know it's like that's what you waste downs on you know like that's it's a good thing to do maybe first down and then second down you kind of got to get back to business or first down if you've picked up a short chunk then you can have a go but um you know when you start getting to situations where you're getting to like third and ten or even third and seven it's like oh don't you wish you'd used one of the previous downs to pick up like even you know three or four yards instead of trying to make Keyshawn Johnson happen (laughs) <laughs> stop trying to make Keyshawn Johnson happen actually that's our next negative if we're into the official we're out of the Kyler Murray negatives and positives and we're into just the negatives and yeah Keyshawn Johnson <laughs> seven targets I think we've already beaten our name enough though haven't we so we'll, we'll lay off him for a bit more now until next week yeah in that case we can beat up on the defense a little bit yes and through three games they have once again zero interceptions on the season it's a bit worrying in a way you know it's like sure we're getting turnovers there's been a few turnovers on downs and we've been forcing punts to happen but interceptions are such huge game swingers and then we had a couple of turnovers last week against washington but there wasn't a single one against detroit 
that that's why I'm saying, you know, the the interception into or the the turnover integer was three, and you know, like obviously it's on the offense to not turn over the ball, but the defense needs to then be getting out and and forcing turnovers. You know, even one would have been a huge difference maker. I mean, I've happily seen them block the field goal at the end and then take it to overtime. That would have been great. Although I will, I will say, you know, we've just had a go at Kyler Murray for always going for that Hollywood play, you know, and not not getting the basics right. And I would say that in general, the basics have been really, really solid with this defense. They just need a bit of sparkle. Yeah, I mean, there's still definitely like players who are showing up on defense, but and the third down defense is spectacular. Yeah, once again, I think they did a good job on third down. Not not quite as well as you've done like the first two weeks, but definitely can't complain at that. But it would be good to see the the big plays happen. Or even the big plays just stepping up like Chandler Jones. Was he yeah. even playing on Sunday? <laughs> I mean, Chandler Jones has definitely been there, but he is not the sack machine that he was last year. We've got four sacks on the year and not a single one by, by him. And that was four sacks in this game. Oh, sorry, four sacks in the game, yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah, because we had Reddick, uh, Peters... Devon Kennard and I'm not sure who the other one was. Was it Jordan Phillips? It was Jordan Phillips. Yeah. See, that's another one for him. Yeah, it's a shame to not see him him show up, but um, uh, I, I guess that's partially what happens when you were the league leader in sacks last year. You get guys who are double teaming you, which leaves you know space open for for other guys on the defensive line to get through. Yeah, it might be just like how Calais Campbell was. Like, you know, he just does his job occupying like other defenders, well, other offensive linemen. Yeah. And then like it frees up other people to make plays, isn't it? Yeah, that's, I mean, that could be part of it for sure. But um, equally, you know, by the end of last year, he was already notorious and he was still getting in and getting the sacks done. I'm not saying it's like a game plan on Vance Joseph's part to do that, though. I think it's just the offense are like scheming it that way to like try and negate his effectiveness. Yeah, I think that's um, that's definitely the that's definitely part of it. You know, it's it's like when when offenses are looking at you know their danger men on the Cardinals, he has got to be one of the names that comes up. Especially, you know, if there's no preseason to go on where we've only got two games into the regular season, you know, they're going to be relying on last year a lot. Do you think we should add any more negatives or do you think we can be nice and leave them here? Because, you know, two and one after three games isn't that bad of a record, is it? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's, as as much as it would be be cathartic, I guess, to keep talking about how oh, we've missed that opportunity, we missed that opportunity, and maybe we could talk about special teams and some of the patterns that are developing there. But um, yeah, I mean, I would say that's my only thing. I, I think we we miss out on a few special teams things um, too often. Too often we're getting pinned down inside the five to start a drive, and too often we're you know missing the opportunity to do the same to uh, an opposing offense. But you I mean, know, re- realistically, we're two and one. You can't really help that with special teams, though, because they, their punter was a really good punter. He was, yeah. And the fact is, Andy Lee wasn't called on until was it like the fourth quarter? Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Actually, we're, we're getting a lot we're getting a lot less practice punting than we were last year. And then when he was called upon, he was from kicking from his inside his own end zone. So, yeah, which is uh, hardly the best place to be. 
But yeah, we'll move on from this game preview, leave Keyshawn Johnson in the past and move on to fantasy football. Yeah, <laughs> bit of fantasy football, which I'm not as good as last week, but I'm I'm reasonably happy. I'd rather we skip this part entirely again this week. Well, I'm afraid not, because you've made me sit through it for five years at this point, so I think it's your turn to to have some fantasy woes. I mean, it was closer in the Bergang Bowl this week. I still managed to lose 150.7 to 147.5. Ooh. Even more injuries in that team. One and two for the season. Probably need a miracle to do anything this year, especially with McCaffrey out. Yeah, I always feel that... Um... You know, any loss within 10 is it feels really close. And then, you know, something like that, which is like what, three points or something like that, you know, 3.2 points, that's got to be a stinger. I can't complain too much though, because I had nothing on my bench to like make changes with. So it wouldn't have made much of a difference anyway. Meanwhile, I, I also lost in the Bird Gang Bowl. Um, I lost 146.18 to 136.7 against Tactical Nook, who is run by Blair, which knocks me from a promising second down to fourth, uh, leaving me two and one. Again, I definitely feel like I I was missing Christian McCaffrey there. Um, and I also I left um, Brandon Ayuk on the bench, which would have got me the win if I'd played him. And yeah, I also, for the first time, uh, started Kyler Murray over Aaron Rodgers, and then Aaron Rodgers had a really good game. Not too much better than Kyler Murray, but still, it was a closer one. You know, I, I could have definitely won that if my bench was uh, was better planned. You mentioned Ayuk as well. I actually had him starting in that league. I, I reckon we've ended up with, with uh, the curse of drafting first this year because of the way injuries has, fall, have fallen. People who drafted first are really just uh, losing out big time there. And speaking of misery, we'll move on to the Dynasty League where... Once again, I lost against another 0-2 team. Ooh. I've got plenty of excuses as to why, though, so we'll get onto them in a bit. I think I've seen your spreadsheet of injuries, your 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 um, like document of pain. Yes. I was managed to lose 165.58 to 112.18. You'd be surprised to know that I'm the lowest scorer in the league this year. <laughs> it's uh, not going well for you, is it? No, I mean, I left. I've got players getting injured during games after I've started them, leaving big points on the bench from Jeff Wilson and Andy Isabella. Just doesn't seem to be my year. Yeah, it's not going well for you. And you mentioned my list of injuries. I can share that with the listeners so they can share in my world. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to start a separate podcast? Because this is going to be a long list. I know, after just three weeks of action this year. I've had James White missing two games due to a death in the family, which obviously I don't hold that against him. It just not. happens. Jameson Crowder's missed two games with a hamstring injury. Deontay Johnson got concussed in week three, and he's unquestionable for week four. Brandon Cooks has a quadriceps injury playing through the pain. Drew Locke's shoulder's fucked. Philip Lindsay's got a turf toe, and he's missed two games already. Dion Lewis plays for the Giants. Chris Godwin's got a concussion, hamstring, probably other stuff. A walking injury, that guy. (laughs) Henry Ruggs has got a hamstring injury. Andy Isabella's been ignored by Cliff Kingsbury. Dallas Goddard fractured his ankle this past weekend. 
Le'Veon Bell's got a hamstring injury. He's on IR and he plays for the Jets. <laughs> Rashad Penny's on the PUP list. And I also picked up Marlon Mack on waivers because I didn't have enough injuries already. So, yeah. I'm not sure who I'm starting this week at any position, really, except for quarterback. I, like, that's the thing, especially with Dynasty as well, because you, you really you can't be dropping some of these guys, you know? You might have a completely zero-point bench. It'd just be full of inactives, wouldn't it? They might look. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, meanwhile, uh, <laughs> I am I, um, 3-0. Um, I won by 239.5 points to 158.2 points against Dean, which, yeah, I I am as surprised as everybody else, frankly. You did have Alvin Kamara, didn't you? I did, who was scoring like 44 points or something like that on Monday night. I had Alan Robinson scoring nearly 30 points. Derek Henry scoring nearly 30 points. Stephen Gotzkowski scoring 25 points as a kicker. You know, I, I had a I had some good scoring um all round, I think, and yeah, I was quite pleased with that. Uh I definitely think that I will be caught out at some point in that league, but for now I will take my winning um and be quite happy with it. The depressing thing is I think your kicker scored more like my players combined. Than, than any of your other players. Oh yeah. man. Except for quarterback, obviously. Yeah, Gutskowski. That that was a fun one because um, I was actually on a train while that game was going on, and my phone was just like going ting 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 because he was just consistently knocking in field goals all night. Which makes a change for the past two weeks where he yeah. struggled massively. I yeah, definitely. I I was kind of on the verge of you know looking at getting rid of him to be honest because you know it's the sort of thing you could maybe trade to like pick up a. a specific positions somewhere but i'm I'm glad i didn't speaking of uh places i'm winning i'm i'm also still winning in the weekly pickums because we tied uh 11 each this week right yeah i knew i should have trusted patrick mahomes especially while he's now undefeated in september still yeah to be fair that was a hard game to call before the game happened the only thing i was confident about in that game was the fact that kansas city were plus 3.5 in the handicap <laughs> like you're never going to give that to Patrick Mahomes, yeah, surely. Yeah, Just printing money. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, I mean, I think it's an um, interesting close season. I think I'm first overall in the Bird Gang League, um, which I believe you can still join, right? Yeah, you can still join. I'll share the link out again for any latecomers. Yeah, which takes, uh, you know, if, you, if you've uh, not done any predictions yet, you won't be in the running, but it's fun to see who wins each week and things like that as well. Nobody in the league scored more than 11 this week, so can't complain about that. Yeah. I think I'm 8th or 8th in the league yeah, overall. Yeah, some, somewhere like that, but it is close. It's a close game. Um, Anybody could, you know, it could easily flip any week, any given week. Although not really when we only have like two differences again this week. That is true, yeah. Because for the same, we're, we've both picked uh, Denver to beat the Jets. Uh, Cincinnati over Jacksonville, Dallas to beat Cleveland, New Orleans to beat Detroit, uh, Seattle to beat Miami, Tampa Bay over the Chargers. You also got Pittsburgh over Tennessee, Baltimore over the Washington football team, Los Angeles Rams over the 1% of the New York Giants. <laughs> the, the, the lone Giants fan making that not zero. Kansas City beating New England, Buffalo beating the Las Vegas Raiders. San Francisco beating Philadelphia. 
and Green Bay over Atlanta. Yeah. Which, which brings us on to the two differences this week. Yeah, first uh, first off, we've got Chicago versus uh, Indianapolis. And you're going with Indy, right? I was, yes. But now that they've decided that Nick Foles is starting at quarterback, I'm kind of worried about this pick. <laughs> I'm Honestly, I'm going with Chicago here because Chicago is 3-0. I think I've picked them every week as my pick and they've not let me down yet. So I'm taking the Bears. Not really hearing much hype about them being 3-0 though. Yeah, I think in the same way that some teams, you know, like people just never think they're legit until, you know, they st- until they get to like 5-0 and or something like that. But I mean, the Bears have had some easy games so far. I think this is possibly going to be their biggest test yet, um, except from the fact that Nick Foles is now quarterbacking. But people do them a disservice, shall we say. I mean, with that defense, you know, they're always going to be a bit, they're going to be dangerous to play against. So Yeah, definitely. But yeah, the Colts have been playing well this season, so I'll stick with Philip Rivers. I actually think this is definitely going to be a game to watch, um, an interesting one. And the other difference we've got is Minnesota versus Houston. Now I'll admit I'm not too not as confident with this pick because I I went with Houston and I went with Minnesota on this one. Yeah, even though Minnesota are zero three, I think aren't they? Yeah, they are. They're zero three, I believe. Um, but they have also faced some good teams, whereas um, Houston, I think they've won they've won a game, right? I think they're one and two, yeah. Yeah, but they also have looked really, really shaky at some points. And they also have David Johnson. And they also have David Johnson, who, to his credit, is is being relatively reliable for what they need him for. Nowhere near as exciting as when he played, you know, his first season in twenty fifteen with us. But at least he's, you know, doing something. He's not doing much though. I, I saw on a fancy thing this morning. He's like averaging, I think, fifty five yards a game. Like, all-purpose yards, that is. It's nothing spectacular, but at least he's, you know, not sitting on the sideline with a broken wrist. I suppose, yeah. But Minnesota played well last week, especially Justin Jefferson. So, let's hope he continues that. This is also kind of a hard game to call in many ways, but um, I don't think it'll be as interesting a game as uh, Chicago versus Indianapolis because, you know, it's the, like, Two teams that are trending up versus, and there's two teams that are trending down. I know which one I'll be tuning in for. But one game we will be tuning in for is the Arizona Cardinals at the Carolina Panthers this Sunday. Yep, with the uh, 6 p.m. kickoff slot that the Cardinals traditionally do not do well in. It's a shame we're not like Sean McVay in that case. Although he did lose this week, so. Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, it's been a long time that the Cardinals have not performed well on the east coast games but um i mean the one advantage at least in the uk is that you get to your bed a little bit earlier unless you want to stay up for the other games the disadvantage is there's less games on red zone exactly so we've got to forego listening to scott hansen for one week well two weeks actually because we've got another 6 p.m game next week yeah well you know i i still i will still put scott hansen on for the afternoon games unless there's you know or for the the later slot games 9 p.m games unless there's one i'm particularly interested in um but it is a bit less uh bang for your buck shall we say and of course we're playing the panthers who lead the all-time series 12 and 5 have to go all the way back to 2013 for the last time the cardinals beat them and that was when Carson Palmer won, despite despite throwing three interceptions. Yeah, but the uh, delta in that game was was zero because Cam Newton also threw three picks as well. 
since 2013, I mean, that's and the the Panthers have held, handed us quite a few um, big time losses, really. Uh, the NFC Championship game that we don't need to talk about, the quarterfinals, you know, all that stuff as well. So, um, let's not bring those memories back. Yeah, although I will say, you know, that we are going to face a very different Panthers team than the last time we faced them. Yeah, especially as it's a team with no Christian McCaffrey and no Luke Keekley. Yep. To name just two. Missing two of their big players. You know, since last time, they've uh, moved on to a new quarterback um, with Cam heading off to the Patriots. We've, uh, they've got a new head coach. You know, it's it's like a big difference. And they've also struggled this season. They were 0-2 with losses to Las Vegas and Tampa Bay. Yeah, but they were able to win this past week against the LA Chargers. So, I mean, here's the thing, right? Is out of Las Vegas and Tampa Bay and the Chargers, I'd be. I mean, obviously, I'm a Cardinals fan, but I'd be tempted to rate the Cardinals higher than any of those organizations. I think I would over Vegas and the Chargers, but Tampa Bay. Yeah, I guess it depends on which Tampa Bay, and I guess it also kind of depends on which Cardinals. You know, if you've got. If you've got the Tampa Bay that that shows up, and you've got the Cardinals that are uh, playing like they did this weekend, then that's a different answer to when you've got Tampa Bay who are who can struggle a bit in certain situations. They can definitely struggle uh, versus the Cardinals that played against like the Forty ers for instance. That's a different different question, but um, you know, I, I think that it puts us in the in the running for teams that are worse than us have beat the Panthers already this season. And they've beat a stronger Panthers as well. Yeah, because I think they lost Vegas and the Tampa Bay ones with McCaffrey in. Yeah, McCaffrey was still so, there. Well, he was for some of the Tampa Bay game. Yeah. But yeah, they've got Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback these days and some all right wide receiver options in DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson. But I wouldn't say any of them are really too dangerous. Um, Not in the same way as Detroit. Yeah, Robbie Anderson can definitely go off, though. He's had some good games so far this season. I've got him in one of my fantasy teams, and, and he does occasionally put up decent numbers. Yeah, I mean, he had a long touchdown pass, I think it was last week. Yep. Or the week before that. Week two it was, I think. Yeah. I remember seeing that on Red Zone. And you know, not 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 so much of a comment on on how good a QB Teddy Bridgewater is, but it is uh, he's one of those guys that you know I've basically liked him since he came into the league, and it's just really good to see him getting a starting QB job after you know that horrible injury that he had. Exactly, it's just good enough to see him walk again, really. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's it's so, you know, I th- I think he is a decent quarterback. I don't think that he is on the same radar as Stafford was. Um, but we've faced, you know, we've faced a, a mixed bag of quarterbacks so far, and I think it would be, it'd be really good to see the defense bring some pressure towards Teddy Bridgewater. I'd rate Bridgewater over Jimmy Garoppolo. See, people keep. I I would put Garoppolo above Bridgewater, and I'd put him maybe. I'd 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 definitely put Bridgewater above Dwayne Haskins. Oh yeah, without doubt. Um, so, of the four quarterbacks we played so far this season, it'd be Stafford, uh, Bridgewater, Garoppolo, and then Haskins. Even though I don't like Garoppolo, he's not as bad as Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> I mean, wherever you place Teddy Bridgewater, you know, I think he's definitely in amongst the better QBs that we've faced so far this season. 
Um, but I think he's, you know, it's just such a different league compared to Stafford. And I would hope that that allows our defense to be, you know, especially when we've got a weakened secondary, I would hope that it means that they're not, you know, under too much pressure with like, you know, extreme lasers of footballs being thrown about the place. I can see them putting up some points, but I can't see them putting up as much as Detroit, nor causing us as many trouble as Detroit did. You know, I I think that if we're going to see points being put up, it's really going to be in cases where, you know, it's up against our secondary because we are we are so lacking in personnel there, and we're going to be seeing you know, apart from Patrick Peterson, I think everyone else in the secondary is going to be a second stringer or worse. You, you know, I I can definitely see a few long balls coming in and and, and a few that other otherwise might be stopped. You know, if we had Buddha Baker there, that they would have been would have been stopped. They would have been tackled in in the field or whatever. So I could definitely see see a few uh, few points coming our way. I'm not even sure who will have it st- starting at safety for this game. I know there'll be Deontay Thompson at the assume, but besides that, I don't know who. I hope it's not Curtis Riley. Yeah, I know they're moving Simmons around a few places as well, but I don't think they'll be putting him to safety by any stretch. I mean, he's played there for Clemson for he quite has, a bit. So. He has, and he has also stated the desire to move around and to play and learn as many positions as he can in the NFL. Um, but I don't think he's played a single snap at safety, even in practice. So I doubt that they would move him there. I mean, I think it would be really interesting to see him move there, but I doubt that they would move him there over bringing somebody up off the practice squad, even maybe bringing somebody in off the street. Because it is such a you know um, important position on the defense, and you know having somebody who's not only a rookie who, let's face it, has made some mistakes in his first few games, but somebody who hasn't played at that position for at least a year, um, that makes it a little bit uh, scary to me. It'll be interesting to like see who they're able to bring in because I'm not sure who we've got on the practice squad at safety. I don't think we have any people at safety on the practice squad, but I think we've got a few defensive backs, if I remember rightly. Yeah, it'll just be a case of whoever wants to play safety, go play safety. <laughs> We're getting to that point, really. you know. And, and at the end of the day, the, the other part of it is, is that theoretically, we only need to cover for one game, maybe two max. You know? And hopefully by then we would have Buddha Baker back. So you don't really want to spend too much money or time or effort bringing in somebody from elsewhere. But the thing is, even with Buda back, we're still down Jalen Thompson. We're still down Chris Banjo. We're still homestrung by maybe starting Curtis Riley, who I don't even know who he is. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, we're definitely on the, um, we're definitely on the uh, sort of last legs there almost, which is pretty bad when it's game four. But it's just injuries and you can't really... Last year, we had you know the same number of injuries probably happening in the offensive line, right? It just happens to be a different player group this time, and hopefully, you know, hopefully the defensive line will be able to put up enough pressure to help, um, you know, stop balls getting there in the first place. Hopefully, we'll get, um, you know, the fact that they've got, you know, not particularly great options at wide receiver, um, will help them out as well. Will help us out. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, because we're playing third stringers, fourth and fifth stringers in some positions, um, that that makes, you know, their wide receivers look a lot better than they actually are. 
shall we end up with some predictions for this episode? Yeah, sure. So I'll fire off with a Arizona Cardinals victory, of course. Why wouldn't we predict an Arizona Cardinals victory? I mean, I'm definitely predicting a victory. I'm going to say Cardinals 27, Panthers 20. I think I'll go in that case for the Cardinals. I'm gonna I'm gonna give the Cardinals twenty seven as well, um, but I'm gonna give the Panthers twenty four. Reason being, I'm just gonna give them a few more few more scores. I can see that. Yeah, I think it would be nice to see. It would be nice to see our offense put up more than thirty points. I mean, part of that's gonna be getting the ball back off of their defense, right? And we'll save that for next week when we play the Jets. Oh yeah, I mean that will just be a dunk fest, hopefully. But um, you know, <laughs> I hope it's not even fun to watch by the end of it. Like it's just going to be, you know, yeah. It's it's. I I hope that that game uh, is a nice like week off for some people, but uh, we'll get to that when we when we get to that. Yes, we shouldn't be looking too far ahead in this series, especially after what happened to us against Detroit. Yeah, in fact, actually, just before we go, in the light of that, do you think that that makes this game? a must win for us to stay in the positive points, but to like stay in the positive wins balance. I mean, we'd be two and two, wouldn't we? If worst came to worst. Which gives us, you know, it gives us a record of 500, but, um, you know, does is that the kind of thing that then can, you know, cause morale to fall a little bit? You know, two, two losses on the trot to games that we thought, you know, we could maybe win. Um, versus, you know, I think if you if you come out with a win this week, it's like almost as though the Detroit thing was a bump in the road and the the momentum continues. But, you know, coming out with a loss might might be a little bit of a, a killer. You just want the Detroit game to be a bump in the road, don't you? Especially for when we're on America's game at the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. As Super Bowl champions. <laughs> I really, I don't think it will be, um, you know, a season killer if we lose this one. But I do think that it takes us out of a lot of those conversations where we actually probably belong. And, you know, um, I think if we can get that win, then we'll be back into those conversations, albeit with the caveat of, ah, but they lost to the Lions. I can handle that. Yeah. But that'll do it for episode 97 of the British Bird Gang Breakdown. As always, if you're not following us on Twitter, go follow us at British Bird Gang. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash British Bird Gang. And join the group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash British Bird Gang. And buy British Bird Gang merchandise at britishbirdgang.tml.com. And don't forget to pick up a British Bird Gang magnet by sending me £3 <laughs> via the pinned tweet on Twitter. And I'll eventually get one out to you. But in, in these unprecedented times, delivery may take longer than expected. I mean, you say that, but it does. T- it came quickly for me. It does help as well when several people want one at the same time and yeah. I'm not just going to the post office with one stamp <laughs> so yes buy them or fund my coffee addiction which I don't have and or get you a new laptop at some point that's not going to explode before we start recording it's been fine the past two weeks it has but I mean I suppose my, I, I was the technical difficulties this week but um, I am recording this from work in case anybody could t- t- tell the difference in the sound on top of a pair of books on top of a pair of books. But you wouldn't know that unless we told you. So we'll leave that for this week's episode. And thank you for listening. Until next week, goodbye. Thanks for listening. See you next week.